are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So, would you do me a favor and, um, and bow your heads with me? And I'm asking you maybe even close your eyes, and the goal is just to get all of the distractions out of the way. So Thomas Merton said that we live in a transparent world. God is shining through everywhere. The problem is we just don't see him because we're too busy. We're too distracted. So just pray with me. Father, I open my heart to you. I want to see you. I want to experience you. Let today be a thin place in my life. Amen? So this idea of thin places that we've been talking about for... This is our second week and will for several weeks... Let, let, let me tell you the story, okay? There was a Celtic monk who lived in 500 A.D. He was Irish. He traveled to Scotland to take the gospel to the Scottish people. And one day, he was on an island called Iona. And while on Iona, he was praying for the spreading of the gospel and for the community of Iona. And here's what happened. He said God came to him in such a powerful way that he described the experience as a very thin place. Okay, so think about it with me just for a moment, okay? So this idea of a thin place. In Celtic spirituality, the idea was that it's that place in our life or that moment in time when the distance between heaven and earth seems to vanish, where God breaks through, And the distance that we sometimes feel from God just seems to go away. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in the presence of God. It's like you can almost feel and experience and see from this world into the next world. You're in this spiritual realm. It's like the kingdom of God is realized now on earth. It's a thin place. So what about you? What have your experiences been where you said, yeah, Rick, I know what thin places are. I know what sacred moments are. I've, I've experienced them. And so over these last couple of weeks, I've just been having conversations with people and I've been saying to them, so tell me about a thin place in your life. And people have said things to me like this. Uh, it was when our first baby was born. And I looked into that little boy or girl's face and I felt the presence of God in his creation of a human being. Or some people have said to me, Rick, it was a a family event. It was a holiday. We were together. Maybe it was a Thanksgiving meal. It was a prayer time that we shared and shared what we were thankful for. Other people have talked about being in a church service. And in that moment, God came to them like they have never experienced God before. And it became a very thin place. It's like God broke into my life. And spoke to me. Some people have talked to me about crisis experiences, something 
really bad happened in our life. And I turned, and who was there but God himself? And I felt a closeness to God in that moment of tragedy that I have never felt before in my entire life. Now, listen to me. The theological foundation for this is the idea of incarnation. God is incarnational. So here's what the idea is. It is that God comes to us. God reveals himself to us. God makes himself known. Okay, that's the idea behind it all. God actually speaks to us. It's not like that God is uh, off somewhere in the distance. God pushes up his sleeves and he gets involved in the messiness of humanity. So the antithesis of this kind of thinking would be deism. A deist would say that God obviously created the world because there is order. And so in their deductive thinking, they say there had to be a creator, but he is not involved in humanity. God is watching, if he is watching at all from a distance, thanks to Bette Midler for helping us to realize that. But the Bible that I read tells me that God is not watching from a distance. God is incarnational. God reveals himself, makes himself known, comes to us, speaks to us, pushes up his sleeves and gets involved in our everyday lives. So we're going to talk about a man in the Bible whose name is Abram. God changes his name to Abraham. And what happens to Abram is what happens to all of us. And this is the bottom line today. God calls us, comes to us, and calls us into a covenant relationship with him. Now think about this with me. God comes to you. God who created everything comes to you. He reveals himself to you. He speaks to you and he calls you and he says, I want a relationship with you. I want us to be friends. And when he does, it becomes a very thin place in your life. So grab a Bible, if you will. We'll also put the words on the screen for you to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the Old Testament, chapter 12. And I'm going to start reading with verse 1. Okay, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now, God has a problem, and the problem is that sin has entered the world. And God needs a solution for sin. And so what God decides to do is to start a nation, and he's going to do it by using one man. And through that nation, he is going to speak to the whole world and he is going to offer salvation to the whole world. The man's name is Abram. You ready? So verse 1. So the Lord said to Abram. Now, when you read those words, you realize that we don't serve a God who watches from a distance. We serve a God who comes into our lives, breaks through, and actually talks to us. So God said to Abram, go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, covenant has two elements. One is command, the other is promise. So what we just read was the command. So when God enters into this covenant relationship with Abram, he gives him this command. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, here's the promise. You ready? I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's the promise. 
Now here the narrative continues. So, Abraham, Abram rather, went. Those are three really interesting words because God speaks. He tells Abram, you should do this. And Abram says, okay, if God said to do it, then I will do it. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot, who was his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old. So I don't know what you had in your mind, the image, but this is not a young man. This is a man who is now 75 years old. He was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Just because you follow God... And you do what God asks you to do. It doesn't mean everything is going to work out like you hoped or thought it would. And that's these next two verses. He traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moray at Shechem. But guess what was in this land that God promised him? There were already some other people there. Wait a minute. I I thought this was my land. What are these other people doing in my land? At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And so just to comfort Abram, the Lord appears to him and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. I will keep my promise. And it's almost if Abram said, Well, then God, I want to comfort you. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. It's like Abram was saying, I still trust God you. So let's talk about what this means, okay? So do you remember when God called you into a relationship with him? Do you remember that? So what, what was that like? Do you remember where you were when you felt like God was saying, I want a relationship with you? I'm calling you to follow me. I'm calling you to trust me. I'm calling you to obey me. I'm calling you to honor me with your life. I'm calling you to know me. So were you in church? Were you somewhere else? Were there other people with you? What was it like? What did you say? How did you respond? So I guess I'm wondering, am I looking at somebody today right now who are saying to me, Okay, Rick, here's the deal. God is calling me right now. I'm in a season of my life where God is calling me right now to be in relationship with Him. And I'm not all in. I haven't said yes to this idea. I'm struggling. There's some things that I don't want to give up. And so I'm not all in right now. But God is right now calling me to follow Him. I was eight years old. My family attended church on a regular basis. We were having this revival. And I go to church that night and I feel this sense inside of me that God was calling me. There was a preacher who was given this invitation to come to the altar, but I didn't want to go. And here's why I didn't want to go, because it was a little bit embarrassing. Somehow, I was nervous. My heart was beating fast. I'm like, I don't want to walk down there and kneel at that altar. I mean, 
What are people going to think? I mean, what were they going to think anyway? I was only eight years old. Think about it. But I was honestly really nervous to go down to the altar. I get home that night, and I'm not okay. And finally, it's time to go to bed, and I'm still not okay. And when I lay down in my bed, I'm sharing a room with my brother Terry, and I'm crying. And Terry says, what are you crying about? And I said, Terry, I think I was supposed to go to the altar tonight, and I didn't go. And so Terry goes into my parents' bedroom and he tells them, and they say, tell Ricky to come in here. And I went in my mom and dad's bedroom and they get out of bed and they get on their knees beside their bed and I'm between them. And they lead me in a prayer to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I should have gone to the altar because they tell the preacher, and the next night he makes me stand up and face everybody and tell them what happened. If you go to the altar, at least you got your back to everybody. Now I'm standing there, I'm all out there. Everybody sees everything, you know. What do you think about the story? No, I, I really want to know what you think. Do you think God, the creator of all things, talks to eight-year-old boys? You do? Anybody else believe that? You do? You believe God who created everything. Do you believe God talks to eight-year-old boys? Do you believe that God calls eight-year-old boys to follow Him? Invites eight-year-old boys into a relationship and a friendship with Him? Trust me, Ricky. Follow me, Ricky. Obey me, Ricky. Walk with me, Ricky. See, I, I believe that night God spoke to me and called me. So, so here's, what's, here's what's happening in the story. There is a problem, and the problem is sin. And so God says... I think I'm going to start a new nation. And through the nation, I'm going to speak to the world. And I'm going to offer the world salvation. And so, he finds this guy named Abram. Now, Abram is 75 years old. There is a slight problem with starting a nation with Abram. And that is that his wife, Sarai, is barren. She has not been able, in her 70s to this point, to have a child. So, if you were going to start a brand new nation, would you choose Abram and Sarai? Probably not. We would look for somebody much younger who had already had success in bearing children, maybe. But God says we're starting a nation. So, when you and I think about the fact that we have sinned, and our sin has separated us from God, right? And you understand that concept because you all were children at one time, and you had parents and you did something that your parents told you not to do. And the very next moment that you saw your parents, after you had done something they had told you not to do, you felt distance from them, right? You didn't really want to be in their presence, right? And so that's what happens with us and God. We have sin in our lives and it separates us from God. Now, here's the way we think and here's how we lean. If 
my bad behavior separated me from God, then good behavior is probably the solution to the problem, right? All I need to do is just be better. So if the reason there is distance and separation between me and God is because of my bad behavior, then obviously good behavior should become the solution to the problem. That's how we tend to lean. But it's not how God leans. God said, no, the solution is not good behavior because you'll never be good enough. The solution is a relationship with me. And so he calls us to a relationship. Now, don't misunderstand me. In the mind of God, behavior is still important. In fact, he gives a list with 10 things on it that are major stuff. And it's all about behavior, right? But he doesn't start with behavior. He starts with relationship. And so if there is a problem and it's because of bad behavior, the solution is not good behavior. The solution is, I would like for us to have a relationship. And here's what happens when you get to the book of Chronicles, Second Chronicles. As the writer is describing the life of Abraham, here's how he describes Abraham. He was a friend of God. So when you think about the fact that God has called you and you begin to follow him, do you view God as a friend? Because Abraham did. It was like, God, you're the best friend I've ever had in my life. And I keep wondering, why is it that when I talk to people about God, not enough people describe him as the best friend I've ever had in my life? God calls us into a relationship with him. And when he does, it becomes a very thin place. So, Isaac Newton, a great scientist, was given credit for saying something. He probably was just repeating someone else who said it 500 years earlier. But in the 1600s, Newton said these words. As a great scientist with all these incredible discoveries, he said, If I have seen further than others... If I have seen further than others have seen, it's only because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. Newton said, when he thought about all that he had accomplished in the world of science, if I have seen further than others, it's only because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. And what Newton was saying was that I credit all of the people who made great discoveries and built on human knowledge before I ever came along. If it weren't for them, I could not have done what I did. If I have seen further than others could see, it's only because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. When I saw the slideshow a moment ago about all the people who have passed away just in these last 12 months who are members of our church... I sat there and I thought to myself, I am today standing on the shoulders of giants. It's what they taught me that has made my life better and richer and stronger. And when I read about Abraham, it's like I'm standing on his shoulders. 
And the reason I'm standing on his shoulders is because Abraham teaches me that you can trust God. So when God speaks to you, when God calls you, Abraham says, you should go. And the reason you should go is because God can be trusted. And so here's what happens. God calls Abraham. Leave your country, your people, your father's household. Go to the land that I will show you. That's the command in this covenant relationship. Then the promise, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. All the peoples of the earth, Abraham, are going to be blessed through you. You are going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to give you in your old age a son. Go outside, Abraham. Look up into the stars at night and count the stars. Billions. That's how many offspring you're going to have. And what does Abraham do? He puts his trust in God. And he goes. He does exactly what God calls him and asks him to do. Now, I don't know if you know what a, a nomad is, but he became a nomad. Nomadic people are people who live in tents. And so when God says to Abraham, go, he doesn't know where he's going. I'm going to go to the land that God's going to show me. I don't know where that land is. And so they pack everything up and they, they make tents and they live in tents. A nomadic person has no permanent home. They don't have a house they live in. They live in tents. They live as homeless people in a sense. It's hard on the body to live outdoors and there's lots of struggles along the way and there's lots of issues along the way and finally abraham says we're getting to this land that god is showing me and this is going to be our land and what they realize when they get there is that there's other people already living in the land so i had someone send me an email several weeks ago and and here's what they said in the email Just because you're going through a storm in your life, it does not mean that you are not in the center of God's will. And just because you are not making the progress you hoped you would make, it does not mean that you are not in the center of God's will. And just because... Problems have risen in your life. It does not mean that you are not in the center of God's will. God will come to you. And in this moment of insecurity, I thought I was doing what you asked me, God, Abraham says. I mean, I thought I was doing everything you said I should do. What's happening here? God comes to Abraham and he reassures him, I will give this land to your offspring. And it's almost like Abraham reassures God and he builds an altar and he worships him. And it's like Abraham is saying, God, even though things aren't happening like I thought they would happen, I still am going to follow you. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to obey you. Okay, there's some hope in all of this. I, I ran into an old friend uh, a couple of days ago. His name's Matt. He pastors a church down in Houston. 
And, uh, and Matt says to me, hey, what are you preaching these days? When we see each other, we sometimes have that conversation. Just in case you ever wondered, what do preachers talk about when they get together? So that's one of the things. And then we talk about you guys a bunch. But other than that, not a whole lot. So. I said, I'm preaching this series called Thin Places. He goes, okay, I'm not familiar with that concept. And so I talked to him about this Celtic Irish monk whose name was St. Columba who went to Scotland and one day on this little island of Iona he was praying and he felt the presence of God in such a real way he said this is a thin place. And I talked to him about Celtic spirituality thinking that there are moments in our lives when the distance between heaven and earth seems to vanish. And the distance we sometimes feel from God vanishes and it's like God breaks into our lives. And Matt starts shaking his head and he tells me a story. He says, let me tell you about a thin place in my life. He said, I was a student at Trevecca Nazarene University. I was... um, struggling to know the direction of my life. Kind of always felt like there was this call to ministry, you know, but wasn't sure. And so I'm taking every general education course I can take, and I've taken about every general ed course I can take, and I'm with my advisor, whose name is Steve, who happens to be a friend of mine. Steve is a friend of mine, and I said, I know Steve very well. And he said, he finally looks at me, and says, Matt, you've got to choose a path. You can't, you can't take any more courses without choosing a direction. He said, I left Steve's office and I was really torn. He said, you remember that pavilion down at the foot of the hill there on campus? And I said, yeah, because that's where I went to school as well. I was expecting one shout out about Trevecca, but... Nobody in the room at all. My wife is not even brave enough to say it out loud. She's, she's over here doing this. And he said, I go down to that picnic pavilion. And I just said, God, I'm not leaving here until you show up. I started praying. And I prayed and I prayed and I didn't know anything else to say after I prayed for a while. And so I just walked around and I was in the pavilion sitting down and then I was walking around the pavilion and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm just saying, God, I got to have you give me some direction. And he said, I just stayed for hours. And man, as he began to unfold the story, his eyes filled with tears and my eyes filled with tears and he says and God showed up and God made his will very clear to me and God showed me that he wanted me to be in the ministry and he says so that was a very thin place in my life see here's what happens God comes to us okay And he calls us into a relationship with him. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just about 
me and God, or just about you and God, which that is very important to God, and it's very important to you, but that's not where it stops. And then God reveals to us how he might use us to be part of his redemptive story with all of humanity. And it doesn't mean you have to be in professional ministry. Somewhere, several hundred years ago in church world, we got off track. Because we started seeing this very bold line between clergy and laity. And if you were called to the professional ministry, you were clergy. And if you were not called to the professional ministry, then you were laity. And if you were laity, you just said, well, that's the responsibility of the clergy to be part of God's redemptive story in humankind. And what's even worse than that, even among the clergy... Women were not invited, so we lost half the workforce right off the bat. And it was never intended to be that way. When God calls you to a relationship with Him, He is also calling you to be a part of His plan to become involved in this redemptive story of the human race. So final question of the day. You remember, do you remember when God called you to come into a relationship with him? Do you remember where you were? Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember what you said? Do you remember how you responded when you felt like God was saying, I want a friendship with you. I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me. And since then, how has God called you to be involved in the redemptive story of the human race? How does God want to use you? So I want to pray for you, okay? You want to bow your heads with me? So after I pray, you know, we'll pray this prayer together in a song, okay? I suppose, Lord, that if we took the time today that everybody in the room has a story to tell about a thin place, a sacred moment in their life where you called them to a relationship with you. Because that's who you are. That's what you do. And now we live our lives trying to figure out, so how do you want to use us like you used Abraham to speak to the whole world, to offer this relationship to everybody? You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online 
at bethanynaz.org.